We want to say good morning to everybody out there in radio, internet, and TV land. This is a call to action. I'm your host, Alex Habersham. And like many other weeks and like many other shows, we have a phenomenal show uh, on tap for you this morning with a phenomenal fellow, a phenomenal guy. And, you know, since he's not on the bench, I guess I can call him a fellow because he's an ex-judge. And it's, if I was in the courtroom, I would say, well, Judge Bill Adams. But uh, so that's what we have this morning who has started a very, very important initiative for the community. And I want to publicly thank him coming out of the shoot now uh, because I would be remiss if I didn't express that appreciation. You'll understand why in a moment. In a moment. But judges, uh, organization is called Middle Georgia Justice. And, you know, and as a person who grew up in public housing, as a person who has been involved in the community for decades, I understand and realize the importance of justice. I also understand and realize how sometimes because of forces in the system, some of us don't get justice. So I think it's uh, a good thing. I think it's much needed that an organization is formed to try to impact the opportunity for more people to get justice, particularly those individuals who don't have maybe the resources. You know, you're either guilty or you're innocent. You know, I know there's all kinds of dynamics and gyrations that surround that, but the bottom line is that you're guilty or innocent. So at this time, I'm going to turn it over to Judge Bill Adams, ex-judge, and let him introduce himself and give us some information about middle Georgia justice. Judge? Thank you, Alex. Uh, we really appreciate the opportunity to be on the show. Uh, a call to action. That's what we feel like we're doing with our nonprofit that we started uh, out over five years ago. Uh, by way of introduction, I have been in Macon my entire life. My father was Charles Adams, who was very active in the community and taught me a lot about giving back to the community. And he, he lived it. And I learned from him about that. Uh, I, Grew up here, went to the University of Georgia, and then came back to Mercer Law School and been practicing law now for over 45 years. And it's uh, been a privilege to do so in this community. I spent some time as a federal prosecutor early in my career and then private practice for a number of years at my father's law firm and then uh, was elected in 1998 to be uh, judge of the state court of Bibb County and served in that position for 18 and a half years and, and saw a lot of things as a judge that, you know, bothered me, quite frankly. And, and, and that was really the, the folks coming to court without a lawyer, almost without exception, they would have a, an adverse outcome because they didn't have a, a lawyer there speaking for them and who knew what to say and what the points that, to make and and that bothered me and uh, and so I left the courthouse in June of 2017 now almost six years ago uh, 
to try to come up with a, some approach that might help address that problem. Because what we know is that there are substantial unmet legal needs in the community. We know that. We know that people go to court without a lawyer and get bad outcomes. I saw it firsthand, but I mean, I don't think you have to be sitting in the courtroom to figure out that that is happening uh, at the courthouse. But not every legal problem, if you will, necessarily gets to the courthouse. People have lots of uh, legal issues that they don't really know. Sometimes they even have a legal problem. If they do, they don't know how to go about getting something done about it. And then they figure out, well, gosh, I need a lawyer. They can't afford it. So in a sense, there's right. like three obstacles right there for most folks to even get to the point, gosh, I need a lawyer. And so uh, it, it hurts the community. I mean, just some examples. I mean, we have a, a lot of uh, uh, babies born in Bibb County uh, where the parents are not married. The fathers have no legal rights to that child until they go to court and file a petition to legitimate the child. We know that all these blighted houses in Bibb County, we hear about them all the time because periodically there's a headline. Mayor Miller tears down 500 blighted house or some such headline is that right? This, uh, and we know you're right around town and you see all these blighted houses and and, and what we've figured out is that probably 70% of the blighted houses started with a problem with the title to the property. That the people living in the home, which they considered in many cases their family home, but it was the house was actually titled to a deceased relative, sometimes your parents, sometimes even grandparents. And, and it's largely in the African American community. And so what happens is that you don't own the house, you can't sell it, whatever value it has, you can't sell it and get that value out of the house. You can't borrow against it to get money to do perhaps some home improvements. Uh, you cannot even insure it. Uh, wow. And then you can't even get free home repairs from rebuilding Macon if you don't own the house. So what happens is in time, the occupants quit paying the taxes, so you lose the tax revenue. They quit taking care of it. It deteriorates and gets to a point where they just walk away from the house and it just continues to deteriorate until it becomes blighted and the county tears it down. Well, what if you could fix the title before that prog progression was underway? Uh, I mean, and what you see is the loss of the intergenerational transfer of wealth. Mm. Uh, and it's substantial. Uh, and you just look around town at some of our communities in Macon that this has happened and it's sad and it, I believe derives in part from a distrust of the legal system that is, I'm satisfied, well-founded. But nonetheless, folks' own best interests are being harmed by failing to go to probate court and, and seeing that the title is put in the name of the heirs uh, sometimes there are wills, but most of the time, the persons who have died owning property do not have a will, but you can still go to probate court and get the title transferred. And, and, and we saw a lot of folks coming to us uh, 
with problems with their criminal history. They have things on their criminal record that Georgia law now provides some remedies that can help folks get things off their record. And so these are types of issues that many folks will have. Not everybody in town has a legal problem, but you might be surprised how many folks, if they really thought about it and got some advice, would realize, oh, I've got a problem that is legal in nature, and I need to do something about it because it constitutes an obstacle, a barrier to improving their lives. And it's, I call them stressors, these things that mm. cause stress in families and individuals that play out throughout the family, the neighborhood, the entire community. And if you could do something about those stressors, um, clearing obstacles and clearing barriers, then you'll have a better community. Uh, so certain things we know, certain things we believe. So uh, what we have is uh, a nonprofit that we started over five years ago now uh, called the, we call it Middle Georgia Justice. And it uh, our mission from day one has been to collaborate with other um, uh, important entities in the community. We're blessed here to have a law school in town, the Mercer Law School. And, and we've got the strong bar associations and we've got the Georgia Legal Services Program that has a regional office here in town. And so we reached out to all of those folks to say, what can we do to kind of fill the gap? There's a wow. justice gap out there. How can we fill that gap? Georgia Legal Services is a wonderful organization and they have certain things they do and do well, but there are a lot of things they cannot do without getting into all the details. They just either by their authorization, their funding are limited. And then they just like so many of us are just under-resourced. I mean, they had 23 counties they're covering. So uh, we want to fill the gap and complement existing services. And so uh, that's what we started out doing, and we've tried a couple of different approaches to where now we've settled into the approach that we think will work best, and that is having staff uh, to handle cases. We have a staff attorney doing family law. We have a staff attorney doing probate, heirs, property uh, mm. type cases, guardianships, and then I've been handling this criminal history relief, and, and so we have six employees now. Uh, that's the best approach, but it's also the most expensive approach. So I've had to go out in the community, Alex, you've heard me talk about this and ask folks for money. And we've been blessed to have been uh, getting some good financial support from the community. The state bar has been very supportive. Some of the family foundations have stepped up. And, and so here we are five years in, we opened our office in June of 2018 and started with one employee and now we have six. Uh, so uh, we have to get out and raise the money. And the county, uh, the ARPA, American Rescue Plan Act money, the county got a portion, a good size uh, appropriation from the from that bill that the Congress passed and and the commission, the mayor of the commission approved us getting $250,000, uh, for example. But but otherwise, we've been out just raising money in the community. And uh, we start with the legal community because that's the 
logically where we would start because you figure lawyers are going to know that this problem exists. Everybody should know, but the lawyers see it all the time. And, and, uh, and so we uh, have branched out and, and gone beyond the legal community. To, you know, the banks are required by federal law to make loans in distressed areas. And there's a reason for that. Um, and it gets back to that the mistreatment of uh, certain citizens. Uh, and, and so how do you make a loan in a distressed area if the people that live there don't have a good title to the house that they want to use for collateral? Mm. So the banks have been very supportive of us. Uh, Wells Fargo, for example, made a grant to us of $100,000 to help us with Ayers property because it helps them. And that's, uh, so we've been, uh, able so far to raise the kind of money we need to keep this going. Sustainability is the ultimate challenge always, right? Uh, and so we, we're going to keep hustling. You get a good uh, grant or donation and you're thankful for it, but uh, you can't rest on any laurels. You got to get out there and be going after uh, other sources of funding and eventually hoping to have it where it's adequate to sustain us and we'll be here a very long time. So, uh, Alex, I don't know any questions that you have that I can more readily address than me just rambling on here. You're not rambling, Judge. That's not rambling at all. As a matter of fact, you know, I mean, those pointers that you hit talking about individual type problems in our community, you know, my mind was just going through specific examples of situations that I've seen, like what you mentioned in the community about, you know, fatherhood, about air property, you know, about criminal records and things of that. And I hope people realize, and I'm going to try to get this show and you can, we'll send it to you and uh, my producer can hear us. But we, everybody needs to hear this because I see how this can impact the community in a positive manner. And I know that, you know, and I've been involved in the criminal justice system. You know, I teach at the halfway house, you know, and I'm working with Roger Jackson with the adult readiness program. And there are so many scenarios where you have people suffering, where you have families suffering, where you have children suffering, where you have neighborhood suffering and communities suffering, you know, and people are doing time and people are hungry and no intergenerational wealth because of the lack of the kind of legal representation that one would need. And I mean, if you don't know, you don't know, you know, and there are a lot of people who don't know, you know, what to do, and most particularly, they don't know about the resource. And I know it takes money, but let me tell you something. I can't think of many things in this community. I can't think of many nonprofits. I can't think of many initiatives that are designed to address problems where the rubber meets the road. And I can visualize and I can see and I can imagine the positive impact that you are having and even the more positive impact that you can have 
you know, on the community. So I applaud you, you know, and I applaud those entities and those organizations and those institutions and those businesses that have supported it. And, and I want everybody, you know, who hears this, particularly individuals in the black community, uh, you know, who might, you know, and then see a lot of people judge, uh, don't understand the, the impact and the significance of generational wealth. They don't understand the importance of real estate and the role that it plays to help uplift families. I mean, you just mentioned, you know, how, how your father's legacy assisted you and you're moving on from there to your son, you know, Brian Adams. Well, you know, that family relationship has a whole lot of value. And if, in fact, you know, uh, the home house, if you please, can serve as a vehicle, you know, to, to establish uh, wealth and, and, and increase the, the, the bottom line as it relates to what the family is worth, you know, then that's going to have an impact for generations to come. But then grandmama or great-grandmama, you know, bought a house, had a house you know, and, and died intestate without a will, and then they get all hung up. And I'm sure there are several people who will be under the sound of our voices who will say, hmm, I can benefit from that. So if you would, just go through again, although I have mentioned them briefly, just enumerate those areas that you all try to uh, address, which are important. And I said them, but I think it's important to uh, 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 repeat them. And I also want you to uh, talk about, you know, the best approach for access for people who need help, you know, for people who need help to reach your company. And finally, uh, talk about how uh, the community can offer additional support through uh, maybe volunteerism, if there's a need for any, and through finances. Okay. Well, thank you for your remarks. They're spot on to what we're doing. And Alex, this really came about as we opened our doors and people started coming to us. And that happened because we were early on getting out in the community and going to some of the homeless shelters for starters and other ministries and agencies saying, this is what we do. And, and going to the courts and the clerk's offices of the courts, the Superior Court and Probate Court perhaps more so because they have people constantly coming to them with these kinds of needs and the clerks can't give legal advice. And, right. and it's frustrating for the clerks. It's frustrating for the people trying to get more information. And, and so that's where we are getting folks coming to us uh, through the, these ministries in town, the agencies, the courts, the court clerks. And I might say we cover our service areas, Bibb County and the six surrounding counties, uh, Monroe, Jones, Twiggs, Houston, Peach, and Crawford. I think I covered them all. Uh, but Bib has been where we've gotten the most of, of people seeking our help. But uh, gradually, we want to reach out to the other counties and just do more educational things, such as coming on your program to help people know that we're out there. And a lot of folks don't yet know that. And, and so we'll try to do more in the way of educational, some clinics, for example, you know, Will's clinics. Or we, we did a records restriction event at the L.H. Williams 
on March the 4th uh, and had like 90 people came to that event. And, uh, so, so as people were coming to us, we were seeing, all right, here's where the need is. How can we best meet the need? And again, staff attorneys and staff supporting them were, is the best way. It's also the most expensive way to do it. Uh, we had uh, one stage we were having volunteer lawyers help us, but in the end, you really need folks that work for you that yes, sir. are just devoted to that caseload. And, and so uh, part of what we set up was a website, uh, and it's www.mgajustice.org, O-R-G. Uh, and if that can be put on there, that's where people can come to that website to get help and to donate and to volunteer. We have those three tabs on our homepage. And, and so uh, the process is you go through the website, we'll set up an interview. Uh, we try to get two lawyers in every intake interview that we do. And Alex, sometimes folks come out of that just saying, I'm just thankful to have been able to sit down and talk to a couple of lawyers for an hour yes, and it didn't cost them anything. Yes, and, sir. And, and they'll say, because sometimes we can tell them why they really, there's no real remedy for what they are concerned about. Uh, sometimes that's the case. And they're just thankful to, to know, uh, to know that. And so, and then the folks that we can help, we're trying to then move on to a direct representation, some referral. Uh, we have a self-help center. Uh, we know that uh, there are not enough lawyers. You know, some people say we have too many lawyers. The truth is we don't have enough lawyers because uh, in an ideal world, every litigant, every person that goes to court as a party to a case, they're called a litigant. <laughs> If every one of them had a lawyer, the judges would be happy, but that's not going to happen. We just, that, I was naive, believe it or not, as long as I've been in the legal system, thinking I can get all, we got a lot of lawyers here in town. Uh, we get all these volunteers. Well, it just, we know, and, and people told me, you know, that, that probably won't work, and, and it didn't. And, and so uh, sometimes folks just need a little assistance to get through the legal process. If you can have a lawyer for everybody, that's wonderful. But if you can't, maybe you can assist them with getting the forms filled out correctly. So we have a self-help center where people can come and get help filling out the forms correctly. And it's mostly right. family law, some probate, and pardon applications. We have pardon applications on there as well. And so that's a tool that is there to help folks for whom we can't get a full-blown you know, lawyer represent them, but they can get some help. So when they file something, it's filled out correctly. And, and the other intermediate remedy, I call it, is uh, limited scope consultations where uh, some folks, if they can sit down for 30 minutes or 45 minutes with a lawyer and, and, and get, and that's all that lawyer does is just give them some guidance on the particular matter. So we're going to try to do more of that. And we want to be innovative. We want to try to figure out ways to help more people in this community because, you know, the the reality is that what we're doing doesn't just help the people that come to us and get relief, a divorce, a legitimation done, title cleared up to their house. We've had uh, some folks uh, 
who got better jobs because their criminal histories got cleaned up. Yes, sir. So, so not just those people we're, that are, we're helping, it's their family, their homes. And, and it plays out, frankly, Alex, everybody in the community benefits from what we do because of my this. Favorite, my favorite expression is a rising tide raises the whole ship. Exactly. And we're trying to do what we can to raise that tide. And and so uh, folks will have better job opportunities. Employment yes, will be better. Housing opportunities will be improved. Yes, uh, and, and so what about this? We'll come closer to this ideal of equal justice under law uh, that we all know is not true. I mean, that's the ideal. It's inscribed over the U.S. Supreme Court building in Washington, equal justice under law. Well, we don't have that. And yes, uh, and so on a more grandiose way of looking at it, if you will, I mean, we're helping people feel like they get access to justice because for a lot of folks, their only encounter with the government, if you will, will be at the courthouse on some legal matter. And if they can feel like when they go to court, they got a, a fair shake out of the process. They might still lose, but they feel like I was heard. I, I had somebody assisting me. And, uh, and and so you feel better about being a citizen of your community and your country if you can feel like you can get access to justice uh, through uh, the court, uh, through uh, organizations like ours and Georgia Legal Services that will take, you know, real people with real problems and provide real solutions. And now we're there to, we don't charge uh, for our services, uh, but we do have a financial eligibility of 300% of the federal poverty level. And if you think about it, Bibb County has a 26% poverty level, last number I heard, and that was fairly recently. Uh, and, and we're doing 300% of the federal federal poverty level, you figure probably 75 to 80% of people in Bibb County would qualify for our services because somebody can have a job, a decent job even, and still be living paycheck to paycheck. The fact is probably 80% of Americans, I'm told, live paycheck to paycheck. They have no money set aside for anything. And when something comes up, it could be a home repair, a car repair, or I just got served with divorce papers. I need a lawyer. Lawyer, how much you going to charge? Well, the retainer is $5,000. It could be more. It could be less. But the, well, I, I don't have that. And so the result is in family court, uh, in superior court, the divorce cases, the family law cases go through there. And most of them are without a lawyer. Uh, so uh, it creates problems uh, for the court. The dockets get clogged up. People don't get as efficient the results as they should otherwise be getting. And so it plays out in different ways. But we're here to fill a gap, uh, to improve access to justice, and thereby improve the lives of the citizens of our community. Well, you you certainly are doing that. And we certainly are thankful and grateful for what you've done. We will stroll the website uh, across the screen. It's, it's uh, middlegajustice.org. MGA Justice. MGA, MGA Justice. MGA Justice. Dot we will be sure to stroll that. And then one can go to that uh, website and find out the information about all the areas that uh, you all cover. Well, thank you. 
judge. Man, that, that's impactful. That, that's impactful. You know, I've been living long enough to know where the problem areas are, and all the ones you mentioned are problem areas, and then all of them have the capability of being addressed, and if they are addressed, it will uplift and improve the, the lives of so many people, which in turn will result in community improvement. This is a call to action. I'm your host, Alex Habersham, having interviewed uh, Judge Bill Adams, uh, the founder and chief bottle washer for Middle Georgia Justice. That's doing a phenomenal job in helping people who really need help and who could not go in any other direction were it not for the services they provide. Thank you, Judge. Thank you, Alex. Yeah. This is a call to action. I'm your host, Alex Abisham. Have a great day. www.makingblackpages.com